funny story, Pam was over at the house getting ready and uh, we had had some issues on air conditioning on, on Friday and so this was Saturday morning. So I popped on the microphone because from my phone I can talk through these cameras to people and every once in a while I, I've been tempted to go, this is God, what are you doing? I probably will do it one day, so just be ready. And um, and so I said, Pam, how's the, how's the temperature? She walks out and goes, I recognize the voice. Oh, there's the camera. <laughs> anyway, so as you know, we're doing this series called Christian Ethics. And it's based out of Romans 12, 9 to 21. And what we're going to do this morning is part 7. I can't explain to you how excited I am about this section of scripture. Because as God has been preparing us, starting telling us to prepare and telling us to, uh, to just spend time with him and be quiet before him and to listen, 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 listen. And now he has us meeting together on Sunday night. And the whole purpose on Sunday night is, you remember when Jesus was on earth, how he would go off by himself. And the purpose of that was so that his heart would touch the Father's heart. Okay, and that uh, he would uh, just need to spend time with the Father. And so what we're doing is we're just spending time with the Father. Now, the whole purpose is eventually for the purpose of winning souls and things like that. But it's so very, very important for us to be grounded not only in the, in the scriptures, which is so important, but also in our relationship with the Father with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, of course, too. So as I, over time, I kept getting drawn back to Romans 12, 9, 21, and that's where we're going, and this is part seven. And like I said, it's an absolutely amazing section of scripture because it, it, it provides instructions that come straight from the Father's heart, straight from the Father's heart. And it's instructions that will help us to walk in a couple different ways. First off, into all that God has for us. And what rolls out of that is then we will live the, the life that God wants us to live, that God has for us to live, not only individually, but also collectively. And we're calling it Christian ethics. And my, I don't know if you've noticed, but my definition of Christian ethics has been changing and evolving over the years, so over the, over the weeks. And today it's, based on God's revelation in scripture, which is above every other system, every other system of thought. I don't care what people say, God's thought is higher than man's thought, which we use as we seek to love God and neighbor in every moral issue. And, and, and Paul, I think, does an absolutely brilliant job, an amazing job of, of giving the church guidance on how God wants us to live this Christian life uh, uh, under every circumstances, some of which may be contrary to what we think, okay? I, I know nobody here besides me has ever said, well, I think we should do it this way, God. I, I know nobody else has done that. But definitely different than what the world thinks. So far, we've studied Romans 12, 9 to 13, 
which is let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. All of which is based upon, you have to go back to how Romans 12 started in Romans 12, 1 to 3, and let me read it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as preachers like to say, that section of scripture preaches. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice in a holy and acceptable manner to God. Do we understand what that means? That we are to take our bodies, which are living, okay? Yeah, which are living, and we are to sacrifice what we want for what God wants in a holy and acceptable manner to God. And that right there turns many people off to Christianity. But Romans 12, 9 to 21, as we grow in it and we learn it. Now remember, there's grace. It's, it's, it's a process. Sanctification is a process. It, it, maturity is not being perfect. Maturity is moving down the process, through the process, becoming more and more Christ-like, more and more under uh, perfection more and more unto maturity. We are not to conform to this world. When we do, we are making it an idol. And idols are sin. Instead, we're to renew our minds and be transformed by the filling of the things of God. That's why it's so important to, to, to get into the Word. That's why it's so important to pray. That's why it's so important to, to fellowship with other believers that, that are willing to encourage, to strengthen, to comfort you, to walk with you through the hard times. And we all go through hard times. And it's so good. I mean, Moses was really blessed when he had Aaron and her. We all need our errands and hers to lift up our hands because there's times that we just get worn out from the battles. We're not to conform to this world. And we're always to test everything to make sure that it's the will of God for us. And fortunately, we have prayer, we have Holy Spirit to help us to make sure that we're choosing what is perfect, acceptable unto God, what God's best for us. You know, God wants us to have his best. I mean, just think about it. He, he paid a very high price for us. His son on the cross. 
and everything he went through going up to the cross. Why would he do that? Because of love and because he wants to bless us with everything he has for us. And as we do, what the beautiful part of it is, is, is we can relate to one another in greater ways. And not only that, our light will shine out into the world in a greater way. And it will help us to walk and to live a practical Christian life. See, it's not just about doctrine or theology. Yeah, it's, it's part. If, if you know anything about me, I love doctrine and theology. I, I love to just look at a word and dig into it and, and, and look at the Greek or the Hebrew and, and, and look at different uh, lexicons and things like this to see what they say about it to find what that word really means. <coughs> it's a little quirk I have, I guess. But it's also about, and I think this is the, the more important part, it's about living the life that he wants us to live as we follow after Christ so that we can be that city set upon the hill, so we can be that person where the light is portraying us. See, when we get to heaven, there's a, there's a part in Scripture that indicates that we will see the people that we've influenced. And as we do these things, you will be shocked at the people you've influenced. You will. But it's just what God wants us to do. And here's another little secret. I don't believe that if we're not pursuing God and we're not really pressing into God and following after him, that we will not fully enjoy our salvation here and now on planet Earth while we're walking through life. And it also allows the door to the world to open up a little more. So let's move into the next scripture, which is a, a wonderful scripture, which everybody's going to absolutely love. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. For a long time in my Bible, that was, that was, uh, redact that was uh, highlighted in black. Just being honest with you, okay? Now, I know none of you ever wanted to do that to your Bibles, but there's a, there's a number of scriptures where I went, wait a second, who stuck that in there? That can't be God. Now, as we noticed last week, there's a shift in, in this section of scripture from 9 to 21 where Paul now here in, in verse 14 is, is making a shift where he's wanting us to understand that we are to relate to those outside of the kingdom and even those that might want to do some bad things to us. And he's given us instructions how to do it, which is quite contrary to the world. Now, you take that word bless, Yelogal, and it means praise, invoke a blessing on, speak well of, invoke a benediction over. And the word uh, persecute, diaco, dioko, means to persecute, drive out, run after, seek after, chase after, and pursue. 
<coughs> and the simple way of putting that scripture is we are to invoke a blessing on those who pursue us to persecute us. Yeah. Oh, God, give me grace. I mean, who here besides me wants to not only get even, but one up them? <laughs> A lot of smiles out there. <laughs> but we're to call down a blessing upon them. See, God's ways are not our ways. They, they really aren't. And we're talking about those people who aren't particularly fond of Christians. And you probably have noticed <coughs> that there's more and more of those people around today. These are hard words. And they're hard to do at times. And I understand that because they're hard for me. Especially when you suffer for doing good. But how much did Jesus suffer for doing good? First Peter 3.17, reading from the ESV, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Jesus confirms that when we are persecuted, love. Not give him the right hand of fellowship. Matthew 5.44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, Christianity, <coughs> excuse me, is really unique in this way. There's a song by Casting Crown called Crazy People. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But that's what we are. We, we, we've got to be crazy to do some of the things that Jesus tells us to do. We're to love our enemies. We're to bless them. We're to strengthen them. We're to encourage them, to comfort them. It, 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 it's quite the contrary to the, to the rest of the world and, and to be honest with you, many other religions. You know, where it says in the Bible, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, give them your coat too, and other places. I think we would all agree that scripture is quite interesting and also quite contradictory to the world. But the scriptures don't paint the picture that when we become saved, it becomes like Tiny Tim's song, we just tip through the tulips. How many here have no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, well, I date myself all the time, but I don't care. I have a wife who loves me for 28 years, and she still hasn't thrown me out. So what's wrong? I can't go wrong. But in other words, nothing will ever go wrong again. If that is true, then I've missed it for a good part of my life. But instead, we have the honor and the privilege of walking out what a real Christian is all about. I mean, remember, we serve a God that is, that is loving, that is kind, that is passionate, that 
that no matter what, he loves us and he leads us and guides us into all truth, that he's right there with us. You know, I, I think it's what Hannah shared, talking about how, how he's always right there. That's the truth. See, Christianity is radical in a very positive way. Uh, we, we can take heart in our God. John 16, 33, leading, reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and, and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But not only that, we have this amazing future God is going to save us out of this fallen, evil world. I mean, that's, that's enough to get us to stand up and rejoice and run around the sanctuary a few dozen times. A future that we will be saved in, into this amazing eternity. When we have the privilege of seeing Jesus face to face. How amazing is that? I figure I'll see him about one nanosecond before I face plant. This is how we can bless those who persecute us. And moving on to the second part of the scripture, Bless and do not curse them. Our New Living Translation puts it this way. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. <coughs> Excuse me. The word curse there means place a curse on, to call down curses upon, to inflict harm on, to express great loathing for, to utter curses that invoke evil and punishment. While the word bless means to praise, to invoke a blessing on, to speak well of, to invoke a benediction over we are not called to call for evil. That's not, our, that's not our mandate towards those who persecute us. But we're to pray that God blesses them. Again, words that can be difficult to follow, contrary to our flesh, contrary to our fallen nature. Today, it's very easy to get caught up in the negativity of this world. You just don't have to look too far. Pick up a newspaper, turn it on the radio, watch the news on TV, go on online. And then the temptation there is to speak negatively about the people that are bringing forth the negative, to mock them, to make fun of them. But what God's saying is don't curse them, pray for them. I hope everybody in this room, regardless of what you think of Biden, are praying for. Praying that God bless them. But think about what is the greatest blessing that God has ever given out? 
salvation, salvation, salvation. I would love that every person who is pro-abortion would get saved. It would be absolutely amazing. And some other things that are out there. Now, I'm not saying that we don't stand against evil. Not at all. We must always stand against evil. But how do we do that? We stand against evil by going, oh, it's just you turning our back on them and then going to God and lifting up the name of Jesus and praying for people. We always face evil. I am right now. I'm dealing with stuff. Those of you guys who know me. We are to stand by the blessing and ask God to bless. You might wonder, how can we do this? Well, we can do it by (coughs) God's grace because we're born again, because we have this life of God in our souls. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have Jesus right there, and then we can seek him and ask him to help us all the time, to bless and not curse. Eugene Nida says this, rather the meaning is that the Christian himself refrained from asking God to curse those who persecute the believers. And again, you see how it all ties together? It goes back to Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I mean, that's why we should be about blessing and not cursing. Blessing is holding fast to what is good. It's abhorring what is evil. Douglas Moo says this, to bless one's persecutors, therefore, is to call on God to bestow his favor upon them. Blessing is the opposite of cursing. That's why I don't like gossip. Because gossip really is a form of cursing. Because it's always negative. And it could even be Christian blessing. You know, hey, Chris, let, can, can you help me pray for, for Hunter? You know, he's got this issue, you know, and he's just kind of, he, he's choosing the Marines over the Navy, and, and, we, and we just need to pray for the boy. <laughs> and, and his mom says, don't. <laughs> Douglas Moo again says, by prohibiting cursing as well as enjoying blessing, Paul stresses the sincerity and single-mindedness of the loving attitude we are to have towards our persecutors. Hey, we've got nothing to be concerned about. God's on our side. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll always be there with us, even when we're getting slapped around a little bit. It was interesting. We were watching this clip last night. My two guys, I have no idea what their name was, and... uh, it was uh, about a, a part of of the uh, of the chosen, and they were talking about how suffering is all through the New Testament. Now, I'm already on record last week as saying if if I was God, I'd do things differently. So you need to be thankful I'm not God. Well, I'm going to continue to stay on that record because I would if. God was messing with one of my children. You're done, dude. 
<laughs> but that's not God. See, God has this heart that he wants to see everybody saved. He has this heart that he wants to see everybody with him in heaven. That's who he is. He just wants us to be blessers and not cursers. <coughs> William Hendrickson says this, in other words, not the slightest desire for the outpouring of divine vengeance on our prosecutors must be intermixed with our prayer <coughs> that the Lord may bless them. You, you understand what he's saying? Don't even think about it. Just pray blessing. This runs so contrary to our flesh, to our sinful human nature. Yet it's so possible because we were born again new creatures and the Holy Spirit's with us. And, but we must never forget about God's grace because it is always sufficient. Plus think about his love and his kindness and his beauty and his joy and his peace and his rest and his very being and just who he is that we will have the privilege of, of just having that amazing relationship with him. We as followers of Jesus must not allow ourselves to become caught up in the patterns of this evil age. Instead, back to Romans 12, 20, 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, don't do what the world would do. As I said earlier, get even, or better yet, one-up them. We must be all about God. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And, and, and every relationship, whether it's a relationship with one of our brothers or sisters or it's a relationship with somebody that's out in the world, our whole purpose is to shine forth the glory of God, to build the kingdom of God. But we must be about him and, and, and what he is doing in our lives and what he's doing in this world and doing it in other people, allowing God to transform us inwardly, allowing God to change our hearts, we have the new Ezekiel 36 heart. Allowing God to change our desires from our way to the highway to the, or the highway to our way to God's way. Allowing God to make us into the new creation who we really are, learning to walk it out. All by changing or renewing our minds into those that are like Jesus. I think we all want to be like Jesus. But it takes an effort. It takes discipline. It takes time. Again, making our minds what they should be, blessers and not curses. And not only that we should not curse, but that we should not ask God to pour out the fire upon them, to get them, to destroy them. As we press into and follow our amazing God, and as we do, we will be able to bless those who persecute us. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I think this is a hard message because it's, 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 it's 
it's difficult to not want to get even. That's the first thought that crosses my mind. I, I just, I'm just being honest, okay? If somebody, somebody does does something or says something, uh, I I deal with the hurt, and they go, I just, I I am gonna get even. And then God says, Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I go, Why do you have to remind me I'm a Christian <laughs> at times like this? <laughs> but I'm glad He does. Because our goal needs to pray, be to pray for them. And and when we have opportunity to, to encourage them, to explain the truth, not not in a manner of, hey, turn or burn, or pull your Bible up and wrap upside his head, but in a way of just loving them. You know, being kind to them, even in their lack of kindness. It's tough. It's hard. I understand that. But this is the call that God has given us. And as we do that, as the church does that, instead of judging, instead of saying, well, you're this or you're that or whatever, but we're going to love you anyway. We're not going to accept the sin in your life. We're going to stand against the evil in your life. But we're not going to stand against you. We're not going to chastise and judge you and, and tell you you're going to hell. But we're going to tell you there's hope. There's hope for you, just like there was hope for me. I mean, you don't know. You don't want to know who I was before I became a Christian. Okay? But God, in a prophetic word to me in 1983, said, I have, God, show me the book, and there was nothing held, there was nothing, nothing written against you. And I just lost it. Because I know, I knew at that point what I had done. How I had abused people. And I had especially women, not physically, not physically, but emotionally and mentally. But God forgives. It doesn't matter what community you're part of. God wants, God loves everybody. And we're here to share that light. And, and it's easier to share that light if we don't judge, if we don't curse, but we bless. I, I really believe that. Now, you may get slapped in the face and you may have to turn your cheek. You may have to go the extra mile. You may have to give them the coat, not only your cloak, but your coat, or however, if it's the opposite. But that's the church I want us to be, a church that loves a church that loves and accepts no matter what. You know? And we'll see people come to Christ or walking in some pretty dark sin. Just like I was walking in some pretty dark sin. Because a guy named Randy continued to love me regardless. 
of, of how I persecuted him. And yet he blessed me and never cursed me. So I know it works. I know it works. It's just, are we willing to take a little pain knowing what we have waiting for us? See, we have to have that eternal and eternity vision. And that's how it works. Amen? I hope this wasn't Debbie Downer. If it is, it's part of scripture. And uh, I'm just going to tell, tell you like it is. It's just what I have to do. But the good news is, as we walk that life out, there is such blessing. There is such intimacy with our God. There is such joy. There is such peace. There is such kindness and such relationship with our brothers and sisters. Because our brothers and sisters will know they can trust us, that we have their back, that we won't curse them, but we will bless them. Amen. Amen.